just put my football analyst hat on. They don't have as much ability to switch things around like Arsenal do with Niedema, Blacksenius. They can try different formations. Don't think United might have that. They don't have the personnel to do that. Subscribe to the OTB Koyig pod on the OTB Sports app now. Now, one of the greats of modern sport has announced that he will be retiring next week. Roger Federer at the age of 41 and a career where he's accumulated 20 Grand Slam titles, including eight at Wimbledon, will play just one final tournament. He's going to be at next week's Labour Cup in London and then he will be calling time on his professional career. He had surgery recently on a knee injury, which effectively ruled him out of the entire 2022 season and posted on social media earlier today a lovely statement, but the key line coming from it, I know my body's capacity and limits and I must recognise when it is time to end my career so after last month we had the long goodbye to Serena Williams who bowed out at the end of the US Open we are now saying goodbye to probably the greatest men's player of the modern era as well in Roger Federer announced his retirement from tennis delighted to say that we're joined by Renee Stubbs ESPN commentator and four time Grand Slam doubles champion um, Renee it's an unusual place for tennis to be in not to have Serena Williams and Roger Federer now yeah, very much so. Um, obviously, we still have a couple of greats of the game in Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic. Um, both of them will be vying for that, you know, goat. Uh, I hate that label, but, uh, you know, certainly the, the most Grand Slams anyway at the end of their career, um, they had already surpassed Roger. But with the injuries Roger had sustained over the last few years and, of course, Serena losing, um, you know, a, a year having her child and then trying to come back from that, Certainly, they could have probably achieved even more Grand Slam titles for both of them. But it is quite a vacuum that they leave. Two of the just, you know, Roger and Serena are so synonymous. And it was interesting because I had talked about this with Serena years ago. And, and we, we, you know, it was a guess that they would both retire at the same time. And look at look what they've done. They've both done that. Um, so it is a tremendous loss for the game of tennis. But having said that, no one's bigger than the game. And, uh, you know, what proved uh, to all of us at ESPN and certainly to the crowds at the US Open is that we have some great future champions um, already knocking on the door and, and uh, willing to take the baton um, in someone like Iga Shiantek and, of course, um, Carlos Alcaraz now. Yeah, there was that real feeling at the US Open recently that it was basically the coming of the new era, particularly for the men's event once we got down to the semi-finals. And you look at Alcaraz yeah. at his youthful age as well to go and uh, to win a Flushing Meadows. And you say Shivantek has now become almost unstoppable with the tennis that she's played this year. It, it was always yeah. going to usher in a new era. But Roger Federer, I think, looking at the tributes that have been paid on social media by fellow tennis players, we see how beloved Federer appears to have been by the players on tour. Well, it's hard not to like Roger. Uh, I myself uh, put up a post um, on my Instagram. And one of the things that I just valued so much with um, having Roger around the courts was that he was always nice to everybody. Um, He took time to say hello to everybody. He knew the capacity of his popularity and and he, he enjoyed that process. He enjoyed being Roger Federer. He enjoyed being loved by so many and, and he, he embraced it um, and he was just a genuinely and is a genuinely nice, nice, nice guy. And he loved playing tennis. He just loved to play tennis and all the trappings that went with it and all the stuff that you could have be a problem when you become a very famous person. He didn't fall into the traps of those. He was always himself. He was always just loved the game of tennis. He was a bit of a kid at heart. And um, yeah, he's uh, he's going to be sorely missed around the courts. Uh, he's the world's greatest interview. <laughs> Because you could ask him a horrible question and he could turn it into something really fabulous. Um, but he just got it. He just understood. I mean, Serena and Roger really 
they embraced the fashion side of uh, tennis as well, you know, with the clothing that they would wear on the court. And they really, they took tennis to, to a different stratosphere, in my opinion. Yeah, I think with Roger, you've got that iconic image of him, usually at SW19, in his all pristine whites and playing some of these remarkable matches over the years. They will also go down because of stylistically how good Roger was. Like, it's hard to beat Roger's magnificent backhand and the style with which he played tennis as well. Uh, well, I mean, I think it's one of the things that I said on my post is that I'm going to miss the most beautiful tennis players, and he was. Um, and, you know, some women might say, well, he was pretty gorgeous as well. But I think for me, it came down to how beautiful he was to watch on the tennis court. I mean, nobody floated around the baseline like him. The the the, the stroke making and the shot making that he had it was just second to none. It was the most beautiful tennis. And a lot of people are like, well, he's not the greatest. He didn't win all the slams. He didn't, you know, th- this and that. You could go on and on about the, the records. But as far as the purity of his tennis, there was nobody that's ever played the game that has looked that effortless and just the style of tennis and that beautiful one-handed backhand and we won't we don't see a lot of those anymore so yeah his actual style of playing tennis is going to be so missed um and that's what i will miss watching just how easy he made the game look and i know how hard it is to actually play the way he played yeah and sometimes rivalries make players i was just looking at rafa nadal's comments before um, our own chat and very heartfelt you know basically to my friends um i really hoped i wouldn't have to make this statement but the day always comes along they will always be linked because of the great rivalry that they had i think if we think back to the five setter and us watching hour after hour particularly that wimbledon final which was probably one of the most iconic matches of all time magic just seemed to happen whenever nadal and federer stepped on the court together yeah, and I think it was because they genuinely liked each other as people. Um, I think that um, they had a genuine, genuine respect and um, like of one another as people, and they were genuinely good friends. Um, and I think the respect level they had for one another sh- showed on the court. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think that Rafa and, and Novak have that kind of friendship. There's no question that Roger and Novak don't have that friendship. But Roger and Rafa are absolute friends and they mean it when they say, you know, I want to congratulate you or well done. There is an actual friendship between the two of them. And I think that they don't, you know, they don't mark each other by what each other have done. They, they understand that they've elevated each other, much like Chris Abbott and Martina Navratilova. I think that they both also realize that they brought out the best in one another and they are still to this day very good friends. So I think that Roger and Rafa uh, will be synonymous together. and. And as they should be, because both of them are just genuinely good, good, good fellows and uh, and incredible athletes. Djokovic and Nadal will probably have more Grand Slams left in them, even after going past Rogers total. And everyone can make the argument about the gold at the end of it. And it's almost reductive to try and just compare them on titles, because then the argument becomes one was better on one surface than the other. And did Nadal win too often at Roland Garros? Did, you know, too many of the titles at the Australian Open for Roger Federer? Let others maybe have that argument. But I think when we look back at those three, and even I don't want to airbrush Andy Murray out of history. At one point, Andy Murray was right up there with them as well. We're probably looking back on what was a golden era for men's tennis, weren't we? Oh, no, it's no question. But, you know, having said that, never say never, right? Because, I mean, I saw the match with Yannick Sinner and uh, Carlos Alcaraz at the US Open, and both are 19 and 20 years of age. And I thought, oh, please, please stay like that for 10, 15 more years, because we could have a Roger slash Rafa slash Novak rivalry going between those two for the next 10, 15 years, which would be fantastic to see. 
Um, and men's tennis is in great hands with, um, you know, guys like that. Um, and so let's hope. But look, you can't compare, um, right, you know, eras, but you would have to say it would be a tremendous effort from some couple of young men to have anything like the rivalry that the three of those players had. And there's no question that with Andy in there that this is the greatest era of men's tennis we have ever seen. I won't say we'll ever see because we will see something like that again, hopefully. Uh, but if not, wow, what a great ride we all had for 15 years, 20 years uh, watching them go at it. When we look at Roger Feather's records, like it's just... It's remarkable how long it goes on for. He's pointed out, you know, he's played over 1,500 um, top-class matches along his career. First Grand Slam victory, if you go back to 2003, and then that goes right the way through to Melbourne in 2018. So 15, 16 years of winning across his 20 slams. The fact he won on all the surfaces, and okay, the year he won the French, Nadal wasn't there, but he won all of the slams, put them all together over a long period of time as well. I think that probably says a lot about Federer's career and his longevity. Oh, well, absolutely. Look, he was the second best clay court player for 15, 20 years. I mean, let's face it, look how many times he lost to Nadal in the finals of the French Open. Um, so you could argue that there's no question that he was the next best player on clay and nobody has ever and will ever be greater on clay than Rafael Nadal. So it's not a bad little, you know, number two behind, really. So um, I think that Roger was, you know, could play on any surface, grass, hardcore, clay, you know, and the greats, Rafa and Novak have proven, and that's what greats do. They they adapt their games to playing on different surfaces. And um, so the longevity of his career is incredible, what he did and the achievements that he, he, he did um, were absolutely incredible. And, and without Rafa, he probably would have won a couple of calendar grand slams himself. It feels very appropriate he'll go back to London to finish his career, given it's been the scene yeah. of his eight Wimbledon titles. And he's been so linked with the Labour Cup as well uh, throughout his career. This seems probably the right place to bring the curtain down. And the way I'm glad it happens on his terms here, as opposed to we wondered what was going to happen after he played against uh, Hubert Hurkacz last year at Wimbledon and then wasn't able to play again. In a way, I'm glad yeah. he's going to be able to play his way into retirement now. Yeah, much like Serena, I think she just wanted to play a decent couple of last um, tournaments and finish her career the way she wanted to because the year before we saw her limping and crying going off of the centre court at Wimbledon, which no champion should do. As Roger, that would that's one of the last scenes we ever saw of him losing six love in the last set he ever played at Wimbledon. That's unheard of. So, yeah, it's nice that he, like Serena, will get a beautiful, very warm welcome and great send-off from his millions of fans that will that I know, even myself, a friend of mine who lives here in New York, is flying to the Davis uh, to the Labor Cup just so they can catch Roger for the last time. Um, so catching the flight to London. So there'll be a lot of people like that that'll attend, and it's his legacy. Labor Cup has been his baby. I'm not a super fan of the Labor Cup. I think that you know, I think le- leaving out the women out of that event sort of irks me to some degree. And I think that you know, I think that it, it could be an amazing event if they added the women to it and I think the American women would help the world <laughs> mm. win uh, a, a Labor Cup but um, but having said that look it's been his baby and I know his love for Rod Laver um, is endless uh, as it should be because Rod Laver is truly one of the greatest people you could ever meet so I think that legacy that they have uh, with one another proves that they're both really great people as well Rod Laver and Roger so yeah it's nice to see him there. You mentioned the send-off for Serena over the last couple of weeks. 
a friend of mine went over to Flushing Meadows and saw her first round and second round matches so again a bit like your mate who's travelling to London they went to Flushing Meadows just to be there knowing full well it could be the last couple of matches that Serena would play in like absolute superstar um, even some of the videos that my mate sent back like say when Serena was arriving effectively the streets were lined for her just coming into Flushing Meadows to actually play her match um, okay it didn't end with her winning another US Open title but she got a beloved send off last week yeah, it was really great to be a part of it. Obviously, I was coaching her and I felt, um, you know, a sense of real gratefulness. Um, I was very grateful to her that uh, she allowed me along for the ride and to be so so close to it, uh, obviously, with helping her uh, on the on the practice court and then leading into the tournament. So uh, it was amazing. Uh, it was amazing to be a part of it. It was amazing to, to hear it. It was the noise in there was just unbelievable um and to watch the love that she got and she deserved it and that's what roger will get in london and so yeah two of the most iconic uh tennis players that have ever played the game and sadly we're losing them all at the same time so it will be a bit of a vacuum but as i said earlier you know the us open was one of the most incredible us opens i've ever been a part of and we didn't have um you know either roger or or serena in the second week of the us open and it was one of the most successful us opens you know, to date that we've ever had. The numbers were through the roof on television. The fans were through the roof all the two weeks and we didn't have those two iconic figures in the second week. So so tennis is in a good place, uh, but it will sorely um, miss those two great champions. Is it in any way intimidating to coach Serena Williams, given that she's all, <laughs> all that she's achieved over her career? Look, I'm not going to tell you that it was a, uh, you know, I didn't have a little bit of stress um, on the court, making sure I said the right thing to her. But I've known her so long and we've always talked about her tennis so much that anything I was telling her, she'd already heard from me. I was just reiterating some of the stuff that we've talked about in the past, whether it be on text message or, you know, I'd see her off the court and we duck into a little hallway and have a chat about the match or what I see. And she's always been really willing to listen to anything I've said to her, which um, I guess if I, I wasn't a strong person or didn't believe in what I was talking about or as a coach or as an observer of tennis, then I probably wouldn't have ever spoken to Serena in the first place. So, look, you know, we've played against each other many times in doubles. I know how much she respects me on the tennis court. And so, yeah, I, I, it, it could seem a little daunting and a little intimidating, but just our friendship of over 20 years allowed me to be able to talk to her in a way that uh, it didn't bother me and I had the courage to tell her things that maybe some people wouldn't. Uh, but my my I felt like my job for the two weeks leading up to the tournament was to make her happy and make her as confident and bring out the greatness that I knew was there. And she showed everybody that she still had it in her. Um, she probably regretted not starting a little bit earlier in the year. And I know she did because she said that in her post-match interview with Mary Jo Fernandez. But um, it was just, I mean, intimidating in some way, but just have been, having been her friend for 30 years, it wasn't that overwhelming. Yeah, because in a way, what a pleasure to be involved in the final stages because we all, when the interview happened a couple of months ago and effectively it was, I'm preparing for life after tennis without strictly using the retirement word, but we had a feeling that Flushing Meadows was going to be the end. Like, what a pleasure to be there for the final stages of a genuine great of sport here. Yeah, as I said, uh, I felt very honoured um, to be on that court. There was a lot of cameras, there was a lot of people, you know, and maybe some people were scrutinizing what I would be saying or how I would be talking to her. She has a, if they want to know, she has a, a documentary uh, coming out at some point next year with Amazon. And 
we're going to hear and see what she went through for the last like three years of her career. And it was a lot. Um, and you'll probably hear some of the things that I told her in that, um, in that documentary on the court, but it was very simple. It was just trying to keep her very happy and focused on getting the job done as best as she could. Um, but uh, it was, I will say it was an honor and I was very grateful to be there. That was a natural next question. You were mic'd up for quite a bit of this then for the documentary. I was mic'd up every day. Uh, yeah, so uh, most days, not all days, but uh, leading up to the tournament, I was, I had a mic on, um, so I was very aware of that, but I wasn't aware of it to not say what I needed to say to her because I thought if there was anything terrible that they would cut it out. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, I was very honest with her and you hear it, you'll hear it. Uh, I don't, I'm also very interested in what they put out, um, but, um, but yeah, I was very, I was very honoured to be a part of her last little ride. Yeah, oh, it should be a great watch. You mentioned, you know, Shivantek and what she's been achieving so far. Is she now the next natural star for women's tennis, given the dominance that we've seen for her over the last year, particularly? Well, we're going to see more like a Steffi Graf uh, than a Serena Williams, I think, with Iga Shivantek. And the reason is that Iga is just not, her, her name is not synonymous with who she is. She is very not Iga. Like she would love to stay away from the press and love to just have her own little world. And she's not somebody that embraces the spotlight. Serena was somebody who embraced it and loved it and loved that part of it. Um, hopefully through the years, she'll start be breaking out of her shell a little bit and being a little bit more um, sort of less, uh, she's just very shy. So hopefully she'll, you know, come out of her shell a little bit more through the years uh, because she's a delightful human being and just such a kind person. And um, so hopefully through the years she starts to come out a little bit more. But I don't think we're going to see a personality like Serena ever again. Yeah, it's difficult to ha- happen too, because I think back to Serena and Venus when they were breaking through and both are just like remarkable talents. But the spotlight is on both players and their story and their dad and everything else from a very, very young age. Like They had to live their entire career in the spotlight from pretty much the moment yeah. they broke through. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, you know, look, um, what they went through early on in their career is pretty traumatic in some ways. You know, they weren't accepted by the tennis establishment. They were, there was a lot of pushback on them. There was basic racism in tennis. Um, and, you know, what they fought through probably made them great champions because they had to fight for everything they had and they had to fight for acceptance and they had to fight for respect and they had to fight um you know, to, to feel like they, I mean, they probably felt like they had to win so much just to be respected and, and, um, and accepted. And they were, and in the end, you know, they were, they, they have gotten the love that they deserve um, because they're both quality people. Mm. And in many ways as well, just on a final note about Serena, like such an unusual breakthrough star as well, given how much power she had, like there's not to downgrade any of the great players that were there over the years, but in a way, Serena was a game changer because of the remarkable power that she had within her game. We were talking to Jenny Claffey, who would have played against Ons Jabor and was talking about the difficulty of playing against a player like that. But Serena was the template for these maybe the new breed of absolute power players that are around. And even now, there's nobody really like Serena. No, I mean, there are a lot of players that hit the ball really big now. But I think that, you know, Serena's intimidating um, factor. It's like... I mean, I played against her many times and just the intimidation of her was, it was a lot. But her norm, the normandy of her serve, I mean, that is, to be able to hit down a 120 plus mile an hour serve regularly <laughs> is really hard to do. And so, you know, Serena's serve will go down as the greatest weapon in the history of tennis. There's no question about that. And also, you know, of course, her, ga- her game from the back of the court, she did not miss a lot. She hit the ball heavy and hard all the time. Her athleticism around the court was 
incredible. And, you know, you saw that even at 40, almost 41 years of age, her running around and she was matching it with girls in their 20s who are as fit a tennis player as you can get in someone like a Annette Contivate and, you know, Ayla Tomlanovic. And so um, it was pretty awesome to watch someone at her age still be able to just crank it out like that it was quite amazing. Yeah, an exciting new era in front of us, but two icons stepping away yeah. from the game in Serena Williams and Roger Federer. Renee, it's been wonderful to get your insights and I can't wait to see the Amazon documentary on Serena when it comes out as well. Me too. <laughs> Thanks, guys.